Career Disruptors is the podcast for senior managers who are not afraid to challenge the status quo, who challenge assumptions, and who push the boundaries and love shattering conventional wisdom. I'm Coach Caroline Dekimpe, empowering professionals to build a personal brand that gives them the confidence they need to go after the career they want and deserve. This episode is the audio recording of a video or live stream because I know that many of you just love to listen to the juicy content. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Hey, it's Caroline, career and leadership coach. And today we have Rachel Lipton with us. And she is going to talk all about the key skills we need as leaders in today's world. So welcome, Rachel, to the show. Hi, Caroline. So happy to be here and so happy to talk to your listeners. Perfect. So um, before we dive in, tell me a little bit about yourself so that everybody gets to know you. Sure. So um, I'm a certified professional co-active coach and a team coach. So I focus specifically on uh, leadership, career, life coaching for women going through big change. And I'm also expanding my practice. I'm very excited to expand my practice into team coaching and organizations, um, which I know is a huge need. Um, So I want to combine all of my experiences in the world of consulting. I was an evaluation and strategy consultant for social impact organizations for many years and want to get my hands on the clay and get into coaching uh, leadership and um, making organizations great places to work. Um, So that is is my uh, new part of my practice that I'm also going to be working on. So with both a focus on women and, and the team part too. So that, that's very amazing. exciting. Yeah, 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 it is very exciting. And, uh, you know, this is this is a really exciting time to be working with organizations. It's both a challenging time for, for leaders, organizations and the people that support them. But it's also a time of a lot of possibilities, as I'm sure I'm sure, you know. Um, yeah. So before we dive in, like, how did you get into this like area? Like you came from, from corporate. And so how did you, what, what happened? So tell, talk, talk me through the journey that you, that you experienced. Sure. Yeah. So I, um, so I've been in the social impact space, working with nonprofits and foundations, basically my entire career. Um, I started out uh, doing a service course. So here I'm based in California in the United States. So we have a, a, pro, a service year program called AmeriCorps here in the States. And I uh, did a pro, that program right after college, kind of got my foot in the nonprofit sector doing direct service work. Then I kind of jumped into advocacy work in nonprofits. Um, you know, I graduated around the time of the 2008 economic crisis. So anybody who is in their mid thirties or who might consider themselves a quote unquote sort of elder millennial will really resonate with this. Um, so it was a tough time. It was a really tough time to launch a career as a young person, um, especially one who wanted to stay in the social impact world, um, which is typically lower paying than, than corporate work. Um, and so I, the, the, the beauty of it was that I got to do a lot of different things. So I got to do the ad, the direct service. I got to do the advocacy work. Um, and then when I went to grad school for public policy, I was introduced to uh, program evaluation and strategy and consulting. And so that's kind of how I got into my career 2.0. Um, and I, I was a consultant for, and I, I still do some consulting work now, but I focus mostly on coaching now, but I was a consultant 
doing evaluation and strategy work for about nine years. Um, and then as of the summer, um, have transitioned fully into coaching, but it, I've been coaching for about four years now, um, doing my own professional development, doing my certification, coaching clients on the side and just fell in love with it so much and knew this is exactly where I needed to be. Um, I have no regrets. I, I love what I do. I love supporting women. I love supporting leaders and I love supporting yeah. organizations. Um, it's, it's, it's so important. Um, yes. It's making sure you equip them actually to really make an impact. If you're so passionate about social impact already, and then actually working with those leaders and making sure they they step into their power, as you mentioned, and it's like yeah. really owning it that can really make a difference. Um, so your focus is specifically on women leaders. Women leaders, I'm not opposed to working with men, for men listening, by the way. Um, the reason I focus on women leaders is because we are often the, the folks that are kind of taking the burden on ourselves to be to be caretakers. We are generally, in, if especially if we're in the corporate world, this isn't necessarily true in the social impact sector, but sometimes we're the only women at the table. Um, and actually, even in the nonprofit sector, we know like the most C-suite roles, like the CEO roles are often men, um, yeah. even though many of the roles below them are women. Um, and so we know that women want and need leadership development and they have all this, they have a lot of the skills already. They just, what they, well, one, they need to step into their own power and be able to do that. And two, we also need systems that support. So I'm not, I don't subscribe to the just lean in and do it. You know, <laughs> um, you know I think that's only part of the of the of the challenge. Um, I think there's also the systems that we need to, to yes. have in place within organizations and within the larger work world that we're in to really be able to support women to rise up into leadership roles. Yes. I'm actually so glad you say that, Rachel, because it's been a discussion with a lot of, of people that I know, my friends, because they're all in talent acquisition, HR partners. And it's like, it's a combination. It's not just like, okay, there is this gender gap or there is this, or it's like you have that. Yes, you have the systems, but also you have that women in particular need to really be confident and in their authenticity and the value that they add. Um, I see that all the time through my career. So I started as, a, as an executive recruiter and I've seen that all the time that men, when they apply for a job and even research has shown that like 70, like they only have to have 70% of the job and they say, yeah, I'm in, I can do this. And a woman wouldn't apply if she doesn't have 100 or even more percent of, of the, the total job description. So, it's a, that combination and that intersection that 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 you work at, and it's I love that you just mentioned that. So thank you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the lens that I feel like I bring is that systemic piece too, because we all live within systems, right? So it's not just the onus isn't always on the individual, even though a lot of Western cultures are situated that way. It's a very individualistic society. You know, there are things that we can do to work on ourselves, and certainly, I think there's a lot of um, particular challenges I think that women face. We often get in our own way. We're often our own worst critic most yeah. of the time. But there's also, it's really important to recognize the systems that we're in that are um, not letting us be our full selves. Um, and how do we change that? And one way to do that is through organizational change. Um, and the more women leaders that we have, 
the more that change is going to accelerate. So I'm really excited to be part of that. Yes. And like you see, like they bring different dynamics also, like everybody brings, of course, different dynamics to leadership. And it's having that diversity that actually makes an organization great uh, is having those different the different dynamics. Absolutely. So you mentioned that particularly in this time, it's really important that that leaders step up. Why is now important, Rachel? Yeah, well, we've all, globally, we've all been through a lot emotionally, maybe even physically, mentally, um, everyone has a different experience, but we've all been through some sort of collective grief at this time. And we're still in transition. This pandemic is it continues to morph. It looks different in different countries. It looks different in different regions. Um, and the world may not, may never go back to being the, the, the way that we, we lived before. Um, and so we have to learn how to adapt within this new way of being. Um, and so le leaders play a really huge role in that. They, they play a huge role in shaping team culture and organizational culture. And then even broader than that, when we have groups of organizations who are doing great work and really care about and are purely people centric, um, we are changing the, cult the, the culture of the sectors that we're working in. Um, so there's all these ripple effects that happen when we work with leaders or folks who can influence leaders. Yes, because they have so much saying and they set the tone for everything that's happening in their organization. And also that has effects on how people actually just even interact with other other organizations and other leaders or other managers and uh, definitely on the, understand that uh, ripple effect. Now, you say like they have to adapt. And I know that whenever you talk about change and I work with a lot of change leaders, uh, and they're so used to change when it's external from them. Mm -hmm. But now I see that there, the barrier between the external and the internal like starts to blur and come very close. And then I see a lot of people getting defensive because they have to change how they operate. Yes. <laughs> so it's not just managing the same change and managing the communications and all the external things. So how, how do you see all that process, Rachel? Oh, it's huge. I, I appreciate that you bring that up because that that's that is leadership development working on you. If, if we don't start with ourselves, there's not much that can happen externally. We can we might be able to have the most beautiful strategic plan and execute well and be effective in that way. But that doesn't mean we're being effective with our teams, that we're being people focused, that we're caring about relationships, that we're nurturing the people that we're working with in addition to the external stakeholders that we have. So I think also a lot of leaders are focused externally. They're focused on their clients or their external stakeholders and really creating value for them. And what's so important right now is that we create value internally within organizations, because as we do that, again, those ripple effects are going to happen. And naturally, that's going to extend to the clients and external stakeholders. But we really need to have strong individuals, strong leaders and strong teams within organizations to achieve the missions that we want to achieve. Yeah, that's true. And if we don't have that, we're, 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 there's a lot of uh, consequences. You know, we there's we know there's a huge attrition rate right now. People are there's the the, um, the I'm forgetting forgetting the word the great the great transition the great resignation the great resignation. Thank you. The great resignation. 
Um, we know that there's a lot of movement within organizations right now, and that's just going to continue to happen. And we and, and organizations are wanting to retain and attract talent and really grow and nurture people. And the ones that are forward thinking and know how to do that are going to be able to have really strong organizations. Yes. So how, how do leaders start? Because most of the leaders also that I, I work with, it's like, they think like, okay, it's fine till basically she hit the fan. And then they say like, oh, crap, I have to do something about this. But like, how can they be more proactive that they actually start behaving or adapting before it's too late or before people are just handing in their resignation? So what I'm basically asking is like, first of all, what can they do proactive? And what are the, the signals, the symptoms that they have to watch out for? for them to recognize, okay, this is a slippery slope and this is not going the way or the direction that I wanted to go in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, oftentimes we don't, we don't um, hit the, oh, pause button, I need to do something different until we're in crisis or something happens, it kind of hits us over the head. Um, so that's a great question. Uh, I mean, I think disengagement is a huge one. If people are becoming less motivated at work, um, if they're not showing up at the same quality of work that they, they used to, I think there's something to be said about if you're engaged in relationship with your employees, you're going to be able to more easily understand where they're at and how they're feeling about work at any given time. If, if you're not engaged in a relationship with them and you just hear about something when someone's ready to leave the organization, you're, you're not going to be able, it's already too late. Um, so relationships are key. Relationships are going to be the most important thing that we develop in organizations. And that is one of the big leadership skills that we, that leaders need right now is to, be, yes. to authentically develop relationships and not just do it as a means to an end, but actually to really be interested and learn how to cultivate relationships with their team members. So how do you build relationships when everything is online? That's a question that I get all the time. Like it's yes. so, it's like, because a lot of my clients are great relationship builders, they call the managers, sorry. <laughs> and they can do all of that. But now everything is changed. And like you said earlier, things are going to be changed like from now on. Like yeah. so many organizations, I don't know how it is in the US, but here in Australia, you have like companies, like big companies say like, we don't need people to be in the office anymore. Maybe like once in a blue moon, they have to, they're like they're canning their offices all together. So it's a lot more that remote distance work. So like you said, relationship building is going to be essential. But how do you do that effectively through Zoom or through an online, any, any online form? That is such a great question. And there is no doubt that there is nothing that really can truly replace in-person relationship building. It is going to look different virtually. So I think one is that we we accept that. Yes. <laughs> that we accept that, that virtual relationship building isn't the same as in-person relationship building. But that doesn't mean that we can't do it. Um, so my in, in my organization, right before I moved into working for myself, we went through a whole... Um, DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion process while we were in the pandemic, while we were remote, it was extremely challenging. Um, you know, so there were, you know, socio-emotional things coming up. There, you know, were uh, uncomfortable conversations. Um, 
we were changing the leadership structure and I'm sure we're, we weren't the only organization going through that at that time. So um, it's, it's challenging. And I think one, people have to be um, invested in like as a commitment that they're invested in relationships and that it's going to look different. I think we have to be able to, when we bring new people on, be very strategic about how we onboard people in an authentic way. So maybe that's making sure that that person meets one-on-one with everybody in the organization, or they meet with a cohort, depending on, you know, how the organization structure, a cohort of folks in the same role or the department. Um, There are lots of different ways to structure it, but I I think it has to be, it can't just be a one-off. It can't just be in the onboarding process and then, okay, you've met everybody. Here you go. You (laughs) do your thing. (laughs) It has to be ongoing and intentional. And it can be something as small as, you know, if you're leading a team meeting, you know, having everybody just check in, how's everybody doing? Or what's, what's something that's bringing you joy today? Or what's something that's challenging you right now? Um, just creating those little opportunities and and then also modeling that behavior. So if you're asking something that requires vulnerability on your team, then then be vulnerable yourself. So that, that's going to create trust. So maybe if you're vulnerable about what's challenging you, they can also step up and be vulnerable about yeah. what's challenging them. So what, I, what I'm definitely hearing is also as a leader to, to really like um, instigate that conversation. Um, I would see, I see many leaders at the moment just replicating what they have done like in the office online. And mm-hmm. so they're so used to like almost like it's a body language. You see your colleague coming in very somber and very depressed. Then you say, hey, what's going on? But now you don't have that interaction anymore and you don't have that opportunity so they actually like i see many leaders expecting like their staff or their team to come to them with their challenges where they're stuck whether it's personal or whether it's related to their job but people don't do that because you have that extra barrier uh through zoom so or through any online platform so it's actually like what you're saying is like that leaders need to step up and start the conversation the building the relationship on a deeper level uh, yeah. to really like nurture that engagement absolutely and um so i suppose that is one of the the, the five key skills that uh, that leaders need today so that's yeah. relationship let's talk about the other four so what what else is coming up for you yeah. Well, one is the uh, the ability to share power or, or what I've heard is co-power with other people. So uh, leadership structures are changing. So there are now co-CEOs or co-leaders in organizations. Um, people are learning different models of leadership. So it's no longer the one person on top in this hierarchy where everything is, just, you know, you have the sort of triangular organizational structure. Things are things are different. Things are flatter or matrixed. Um, We need to be collaborative. We need to be able to work in teams and we need to be inclusive. So in order to be inclusive of all different types of diversity, um, you know, gender diversity, racial diversity, sexual orientation, we really need to be able to give those people a voice and make sure that they have a seat at the table. So being able to share power is really, really important. It's not just Oh, you know, we we hired you know five people of color in our organization, and we're we're doing great. Yeah, have five. Yeah, yeah. 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 
It's really being able to make sure those people are in powerful positions, that they have influence. And if they're not in a role to do that yet, how do we mentor them and develop them to get there? Um, So being very intentional about that. So really being able to share power. And for some people, that means letting some things go. We have some people want to control and hold on tight. They're used to doing everything themselves. And sometimes that requires that internal work of, being able to let go and, and expect some some mistakes and that's okay. Rationally, a lot of people will be able to understand that and grasp that. Like the application Mm -hmm. of that is completely different because first of all, I think it's uh, becoming aware of what you're holding on to. Some, some leaders are not even aware of like the things that they're just controlling because if you would say, are you a control freak? No, no, no. I'm not, right, but right. Like, they're holding tight and like, don't touch it. So like, what are some of the, the things that people can actually like start to be become aware of that they really like need to share their power and let go? Or what are one of some of the challenges that you see coming up? Because I know a lot of um, high level power people that it's more an ego trip. Uh, they're narcissists and they're not going to share power. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Like it's true. Some, some leaders aren't going to get there. Um, and I think there has, there has to be, a, there's a, if you've ever heard of the willing and able grid, it's like, if you're not willing, not able, you know, yeah. if, if they're not, if they're not willing and they're not able, like it's, yeah. it's going to be very challenging. Um, maybe who, I don't know what the, the accountability mechanism might be for that person, but maybe eventually that's, that are no longer a fit for an organization seeking a different type of culture. So those those people eventually are going to not to be able to be in leadership roles because they're not going to have the skills they need. Short term, isn't it? Yeah. Yes, exactly. Um, for for people who are who are interested in are invested in their growth, you know, there are many ways that they can. They they may not they may not be, realize where they're at right now, but. One, having, you know, some kind of transparent feedback process. I know many organizations have 360 degree reviews Um, that, you know, has its own set of challenges. It's not a perfect system, but that is one way to get feedback from people. Um, Organizations that have um, professional development budgets for coaches or other types of support um, or a peer learning community where people can kind of hold up a mirror to others to say, I'm noticing this about you or that about you. How can, is this something you want to work on? Um, I think people do have to be empowered to work on the skills that they feel like they need to be effective leaders rather than just be kind of told top down because it's, it's going to be a totally different orientation. Yeah. But for, for, for leaders that are really invested in their growth and are open to it, and I also think that is probably a sixth leadership skill <laughs> it is to really be open to that um, and, and learning and growing, you know, that, that is, that is a life skill really. Yeah. <laughs> um, finding those ways to get kind of get out of your own head and your own self to, to listen to others. Um, that's going to help you understand where you need to grow as a leader. Yes. I, I love that. It's like really like changing the way you, you your definition of leadership <laughs> and how you have traditionally seen leadership is breaking down those structure structures and really like looking at an organization looking at your team and being able to be in a position that like yes let's try something else and yes it's not going to be smooth from the from the get-go it's going to be trial and error and experimenting but 
that's what is also exciting because you will see people step up and you will see people be more engaged and empowered to actually it's like okay my manager is leading or my boss is leading by example and really like not holding on very tight on everything because the consequence as you said is like people will just leave because they have mm -hmm. higher expectations right now than what they had before Absolutely. okay so what's the third one <laughs> yeah so the third one is the ability to be vulnerable and cultivate trust so i talked about this a little bit already so it's really about modeling the behavior that you want to see because that it, there really is a trickle down effect. I don't believe in trickle down economics, but I do believe in trickle down leadership behavior <laughs> in organizations. Um, because if you're if if leaders are expecting certain actions from their teams, they really need to be able to model that themselves. And so. Vulnerable, being vulnerable, as it, it, for any Brene Brown listeners out there or readers out there, being vulnerable really does cultivate trust. And so being able to do that is also going to be part of the relationship building piece. So, um, you know, I think our personal and professional lives have become so blurred now. And I think keep there, some of the, the beautiful things that have come out of COVID is that people are a lot more tolerant about what's going on in people's personal life. Like maybe, yeah. you know, the baby's crying during a Zoom call or the dog's barking or something, you know, the telephone rings or whatever happens, yeah. it's life. Um, and I think people are, are expecting this new kind of organizational culture where they can bring that in and it's okay. And to know that they can still do an effective job and they might get interruptions, but they but they can keep moving forward. And so I think people are going to expect that. And so being able to be vulnerable, to be able to hold the space for people um, is yeah. going to be really important. And so like uh, people would think like uh, if I show vulnerability, I show like I come across weak and um, mm -hmm. not a strong leader that I should be. Like mm -hmm. what's your answer to to that? view or that rational thinking like that people say like oh i'm scared to be vulnerable because they will perceive me as weak yeah i i mean i think that's a real symptom of like the old way of being like we have to be these strong and know-it-all leaders that like we just know what to do and we're taking control and we know that doesn't work in today's world um and so i think again it's about being able to recognize yourself, recognize what's going on in, in, in your emotions, in your body, and also being able to um, note that being vulnerable is actually really a strength, like it's courageous. Um, and there, there is a fine line between, you know, sharing everything going on in your life at work and, <laughs> and, 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 you know, being in therapy or, you know, there is, there are those fine lines, but I think that we, tend to go the other extreme where we don't share much about ourselves or we don't share, even if it's a work-related thing, you know, I'm really um, feeling nervous about this client call. Like, I'm one, I'm, can, I, can I ask for support from my team to help me feel less nervous? You know, that's vulnerability. Um, so I think, you know, and that creates psychological safety because if people see that and then they know that they can, people, their team has their back, like there, there is just, no substitute for that. Um, and that can happen in a virtual environment. So I think that's, whether it's virtual hybrid or in person, these are all really important skills. Yeah. And I also think because I'm thinking about the team that I uh, used to lead or one of the teams, and I was thinking like, 
one person that in the, is in that team, how they would respond and probably not favorite about it. But that also sets a tone about like he or she doesn't believe but belong in that team. So what I want to say is that like if you create that culture, that vulnerable, authentic culture that nobody has to put on a performance or pretend that everything is okay whilst they're not is okay, they're not okay. If you set as a leader that tone, that intensity of this is how we're going to operate, then people that don't fit in will naturally fall out of that culture and not stay with that organization because you're very clear in defining what you're all about and what you stand for, um, I think. What do you think? I think that that can be a natural part of the process. I think that that is happening now. I think that's also part of the great resignation that only are people recognizing, oh, actually, I want to do something different with my life or I want a different kind of work-life balance. They're also, you know, thinking about the kind of culture that they want to be in. And many cultures are changing. So some of them are really trying to be inclusive and um, equitable. And sometimes that means that's hard for, that, that can be very hard for people. Um, even exactly. if they feel values aligned with being inclusive and equitable in, in name, sometimes what that actually looks like in practice can be really challenging. And they may realize I'm actually not part of this. I don't, I can't be part of this organization. This is not the culture. Of not ready. Maybe, maybe. Or not like, ready. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's so true. Because like, of course you want to be part of such a culture where you can be open and you don't have to pretend, but it's like you, that putting yourself outside your comfort zone, being so vulnerable, that will just like have your own demons. So it's not only in like embracing what the company is doing, it's also show your, your, shows your own demons in like, oh yes, am I ready to be that open and yeah. So mm -hmm. it's so much easier to stay in your comfort zone and to protect yourself and to say like, okay, nope, I shield myself. I pretend, I pretend to myself, I'm lying to myself that everything is okay. So it's so true. You hit the nail on the head. Like you have two types of people, people that like, oh, finally, the organization is opening up and I can be myself. And other people that say like, oh my God, I'm lying to myself. I'm not ready to confront myself with my own lies. Mm -hmm. I think that's I think that's true. And I think there's there's a real dynamic nature with organizations that are going particularly going through organizational culture change or DEI work. There, yeah. There's kind of a pendulum pendulum swing and everyone's going to um, find their their own way of how to operationalize that. And the impact's going to be different for different people. And so that is one of the hard things about culture change, because for some people, it's going to be oh my gosh, I've been waiting for this. For other people, it's going to be like, what the heck? Some people are going to fall right in the middle and then they might change along the journey. Um, and so, yes, just being being constantly kind of aware of where you can learn and grow, where you fit in and where maybe where you don't. Um, and and just knowing that, you know, some, sometimes, sometimes leaving an organization can be the like the best thing for your career um yeah you know it was for me <laughs> <laughs> and and people it's not a punishment you're so absolutely so right because people look at it like oh my god i've been made redundant or this or that it's a they look at it as a, like a punishment or i'm leaving the organization like am I, what am i going to do it's like 
it's not a punishment always look at the flip side like okay what is it offering you time to reflect maybe to to straighten up because like like you said in the beginning people don't pause enough to actually reflect and say like where i am today is this really where i want to be and i think this pandemic forced a lot of people to really stop but have they done enough soul searching in the in the process to actually uncover what they really want to go after it absolutely and that's why i, I this is a plug for coaching but this is why coaching can be such a powerful tool because it, sometimes we need the space to be able to reflect have a mirror held up to us to be yeah. challenged, to be supported, and be held accountable. Um, and, and coaching is one way to do that. It's certainly not the only way. Um, but having some, again, that kind of external partner or group to help yeah. you be more self-reflective and, and get a sense of clarity of where you want to go next is really important. And yeah, creating that safety net. I was, I was talking to my leadership group yesterday, and I was saying to them, it's like, um, like, yes, you can have coaching at work, but it's also like you sometimes need to have like, because a lot of people don't feel safe when they're in a group setting, group training, leadership training at work. They don't feel that they have yet that culture of being vulnerable and sharing everything that's on their mind. And so like having that person on your side that where you have a safe space and where you can break from the things, because I think also there's a learning process and maybe I'm wrong, please correct me, Rachel, but I think there's a learning process between like invulnerability itself, like how like you, you, you can take your feelings and you think like, okay, I'm being vulnerable, but actually it's more like blaming the other person <laughs> and it forms into a blaming or like pointing fingers at like they did this and they, and they made me feel like that. So like, we have to like they also have to be guided what that vulnerability looks like and how to communicate that vulnerability without being an emotional mess and just like pointing fingers at, at everyone do, do you agree or am I, I totally agree and that actually speaks to one of my my skills which is emotional regulation actually ah, so there cool. is that I think there is a fine line between um being vulnerable and and just kind of like you know spewing your emotions especially as a leader because um leaders have so much power they, they i don't think some leaders even realize it but they but even the emotional tone of of whatever or the energy that they bring they don't even sometimes have to say much i mean in a virtual space it it, it might be different but i'm sure we've all been in situations where we've been in an office and somebody just walks in and we're just kind of like oh i'm gonna i'm not gonna be near you today <laughs> Um, you know, that, that energy can really affect people. And so um, being able to, to be self-aware of, you know, being being vulnerable in a way that uh, we can't always be strategically vulnerable. Like that sounds very transactional, but we can be aware. The more that we can be aware of our own emotions and how we're coming across can, and be courageous, that is also vulnerability, too. Um, and so I think that that's a huge skill for leaders. I, I know for myself, I've been around lot, many leaders who did not have that skill and it really did affect my, my day-to-day -day work. Um, and so I think that people also have to be aware of how they're using some of the um, maybe sort of hot topic words like 
be vulnerable or be authentic or be, you know, X or Y type of leader. But like underneath it is kind of the old patterns and behaviors that, that are just yeah. kind of coming back. Like, oh, I'm being a vulnerable leader, but actually they're being more of like a manipulative leader. <laughs> so I've, I've, I've experienced that. And so I think it's also really, really pulling back at the sort of meta 30,000 foot view and, and, so am I actually being true to the values and the, the behaviors and actions that I want to see? And, yes. Or am I going back to my old ways of being? And sometimes yes. we do slip into that. That's just part of the learning process. But sometimes we need to, to go be vulnerable and say, oh, I made a mistake. I'm sorry. Here's how I want to move forward. Or here's how I want to repair our relationship. Yes. It's, so first of all, what you've said, it's it's not a tick box. It's like, tick. Yeah. I, today I've been vulnerable. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely not. And, yeah. And, so, and secondly, I wanted to ask you like, okay, so vulnerability, like it can be if people don't know how to become more vulnerable with their team or in the work, workplace, what are some of the small steps they can take to be, to show their vulnerability more? Yeah, well, I think one starts just asking some open-ended questions like, how are you doing today? Or what's going on for you today? Or what's challenging you today? You know, asking somebody else um, and then sharing yourself. You know, yeah. um, those are small ways to do it. Like team check-ins, you know, break conversations if you're in a Zoom room or whatever. You know, those, those kinds of things, um, those are small steps. Um, you know, taking, there is, you know, there's a quote out there, like, do one thing that challenges you every day, right? Like that's, those sometimes those small things are, can feel really big, right? But the more that we can, it's like, it's like building a muscle, like we're exercising that vulnerability muscle, the more that we can do that, or finding someone that you can trust and practicing yeah. vulnerable with them, maybe that's one person on your team or in your organization. Yes. It's, um, do you know Brene's brand, FFT? FFT, that sounds familiar. Say, what's the, the, what's the full acronym? Fucking first time. Fucking first time. <laughs> okay. Yes. So she had a whole episode. I listened to her podcast and it's one of my favorite episodes, the FFT. Like, uh, because a lot of leaders, like it's the first time that they do something, if they become vulnerable and it might not work out the way they want to and might backlash. And some people might say like, oh, this, this thing, this vulnerability thing, that's not for me and it didn't work because they tried it one time. And it's like, right. you always have to to give yourself some grace that the first time is going to be challenging and the first right. time is going to and you might mess up but it's a learning a journey a learning curve and it's like perfectly how you said it it's like a muscle you have to just like start really practicing and it's like you're not going to run the marathon from running once it's like you have to do it consistently exactly and it's a lifelong thing it's like it's never it's, it's always a practice right i think there's never like there's you don't achieve after, you know, five times or whatever, or however many times, right? It's just like, you're, you're constantly exercising your whole life to maintain your body same kind of thing um, with, with leadership skills, with, with, with really life, life skills. Um, I, I really feel like leadership and life skills are actually so intertwined. Yeah. Um, and we don't even think of it in that way, but it really is yeah. true. 
Yeah, the way you show up for one thing, the way you show up for most things. So it's really oh. already uh, very much uh, linked. And like that vulnerability piece, I think like a lot more leaders need to embrace it and not resist it because that is going to really create that engagement. And like you said in the beginning, that relationship building on a different and deeper level that's that's needed. So what's the, the fourth? Uh, so we had the first one was uh, the relationship. The second one was sharing power. The third one was vulnerability. What's the fourth one? So we talked about it. The fourth is emotional regulation, which we just oh, sorry. talked about. And then, and then we actually did kind of touch on number five, which is cultivate your support network. Um, that that is so important, and maybe that maybe that's not quite a skill. Although sometimes get, getting at, cultivating it actually may be the skill. But yeah, because not a lot of people that. wouldn't know how to do that. Yeah, <laughs> right. So like get getting your you know your your people in place, whether that's people within your organization, outside of your organization, maybe in the same role or the same field, a professional association, a coach, a mentor. Um, Though that's really important because leadership can feel can feel lonely because you're making a lot of high stake decisions, um, and it's 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 a hard, it can be a very hard role, um, particularly if you're at the very top levels. Um, and so, real and 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 this is really for everyone. Anyone, first of all, I believe everyone can be a leader. So even if you're at an entry level position, you can be a leader. And I feel like yeah. having a support network at every level of your career is actually just a great skill to learn. Yes. Um, so being able to being able to do that, and that also requires vulnerability, right? To reach out yes. or to say I'd like some support, or here's you know here's what I want to work on. Can you be my accountability partner? That that does take some vulnerability. Yeah. Where do you think that comes from? That people are so like like oh I have to be able to do this all by myself and take pride in that almost. Where do you think that comes from? Yeah. Oh, so well, I think so many things. Well, one, one, I, 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 my hypothesis is that especially for those in Western cultures, we just we come from from cultures that are all about the individual, right? Like, pull ourselves from our own bootstraps. We like go out there and we should know what we're doing, and we have this education, and we should do this, and you know, and and people are sort of molded in this like linear path, like. You, you go to school, you get you rise in your career, you get married, you have kids, you get the house, whatever. But, you know, and most people's lives actually aren't like that. And if, if the pandemic taught us anything, we know, like, stuff happens in life, like, it can throw you right off your course. And so the most important thing that we can learn for ourselves as humans, as leaders, as any role we take at any time is, is how to be resilient and how to bounce back. And, and some of these qualities that I'm talking about, like being able to be vulnerable, being able to understand yourself and emotionally regulate, be able to cultivate your support network, um, be able to be authentic and not just, you know, talk the talk, but actually walk the walk. Those are all things that are actually also part of being a resilient person. Um, so that for me, that's what it really comes down to. And that is also so tied to our own self-worth and self-love. Um, and, and so that's where we can get really deep and very personal um, in terms of leadership development. But actually, when we go there, when we go deep, when we go personal, that is the work because that is where we're going to grow the yeah. most when we can get into that space. 
And people don't want to do that because it's really opening them up and really scratching somewhere where people don't want to see what's in it <laughs> or they will just want to discover it. It's like, no, no, please don't, don't go there because like a lot of leaders are looking for a quick fix. Like just tell me the how and what to do and I will do it like externally. But it's like you said, it's that, that internal work and really scratching um scratching the surface to see what's underneath it because like change will challenge you and you will need to be required to adapt and like and that goes on your identity level that doesn't go on your just the thoughts and being mindful and like having affirmations still it comes out of your ears like it just like it's on an identity level that people need to change what it means for them to be a leader and step into that authenticity i think Exactly. And that's why I use that phrase stepping into your power, because I believe that everyone has everyone has power, no matter what their circumstances are. And sometimes we just need to reach in and find what that is and what that looks like and who who we are becoming, not just what we're doing. So I think that the other thing we often focus so much. What are we doing? How many boxes can we check? What are we measuring? Are we doing well on X, Y and Z? But we're not always paying attention to the being part of us. Like, how do we want to show up? What values are coming through in, in the ways that we're acting and thinking and doing? Yeah. Um, that is the part that is so, so essential. And that is that is going to be so key going forward in this late stage pandemic world. I don't even <laughs> say post pandemic because we're not post. <laughs> no, but maybe it's going to be just part of life, but it's just right. like, okay, being able to, to, to step in your, your authenticity. It's like uh, a lot of people drift from job to job and are being tapped on the shoulder. Can you do this? Because their reputation really speaks for itself, but it's like they lose touch and the gap becomes bigger between what they're really truly capable of and what they want and what they can do. It's like there is that gap and they have to rediscover who they are, their values, because it's all your identity is tied in with your values. What do you value as a leader? And then it goes into how do you want to show up and how do you want to nurture your, your team and so on. So when people actually start doing this work, um, what are the, the most common mistakes or traps that you that you see that you see that people fall into? Mm-hmm. Well, I think one of them we've been talking about a lot is just like the feeling that you have to know know it all, that you have to have the answers, um, that you can't. There's no gray area. That there's or there's there's black and white decisions. Um, that is a that's a that's a big fault of of, of leaders of, of any type of leader, whether you've been a leader for 20 years or you're a brand new leader. So being able to be vulnerable enough to know that you're learn all we're always learning, right? Whether 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 the most seasoned leader in the world, we're always learning because there's always new situations that are gonna come up for us, no matter what. That is absolutely a given in life. <laughs> that's one of the few givens, right? <laughs> Constant yes. change. And so if we can take the mindset of that, of like, no matter, it's almost like a little bit of humility too, right? If we're, if yeah. we're all, we know that we're not always going to have the answers that we're going to, the, the answer actually lies in the collective, right? In the, the team, in the organization. Um, if we can take that approach rather than, oh, I need to take on everything as a leader, we're going to be so much more effective in our leadership and we're yes. going to not burn out because I think people who take on that role, that responsibility, burn out real yeah. fast. 
I absolutely so agree with you. And I see that definitely if like, I don't want to generalize again because this, but in my experience, I see that with my woman clients a lot more that they are afraid to even to take stretch assignments or to step up because they said like, but I don't know enough. And then I see my male client, they can almost like, bullshit their way through they're just like yeah yeah bring it on i will mm -hmm. i will so it's 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 that difference like uh what we said in the beginning like you have to have to have the systems that support you but you also have to have do the inner work to actually have the, the confidence to to step up um but yes absolutely see that so many so many times that you that people like uh don't step up and like because they don't know it all so what else do you see that um that are one, some of the the traps that people fall in yeah i think well i think to to be frank i think narcissism is one i think it's 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 quite interesting you know sometimes you're you someone's in a leadership role and you're like, how, how did they get there? Um, I think sometimes the those that can be um, very charming, very ego driven, um, can do a great job of relationship building for a as a means to an end kind of a more, you know, on a transactional level, like maybe clients or um, external stakeholders, sometimes they're not paying attention to what's going on in their organization. Um, so that can be a really big pitfall of leadership as well is um, being sort of self-focused, too overly self-focused or yeah. externally focused and not being enough internally focused. Yes. I think to have a too big ego and to actually like think about more about the sales that, or things, the money, the profits that are coming in rather than, okay, how is the organization really adapting to this new this new work, uh, workload that we're, that we're in? Yes, definitely. Yeah. And another thing that I that I've experienced too is sometimes a, a lack of follow through. So sometimes leaders will say they'll make a decision or they'll say like we're going to do X, Y, or Z, and there isn't follow through both in terms of the communication of what's happening with that process and or what, just what's like the the result like the, the actually process didn't even happen. So yeah. um, so so also just staying in constant communication with with those who aren't in those decision-making roles, I think is really important. And, and that goes back to being okay with things maybe not always working out as you planned, or make, maybe a decision wasn't the right way to go. And just being able to be transparent and, and communicate that, or like, we didn't do this process because of X, Y, and Z, even though we said we were going to do it. That, that takes courage, that is vulnerability. But I, I don't see that a lot in leaders. It's sometimes we're gonna we're gonna say this and then actually we're not gonna do it. We're not gonna follow through. So the follow through, yes, and making sure you do what. But that goes hand in hand with integrity also, and it's integrity is quite a funny one because if you ask anybody like, "Ah, oh, do you have integrity?" Almost all pe everybody would say yes, of course. But we all know people that you say like, "Yeah, no, they're just like that." No. They have no integrity whatsoever. So it's quite interesting how you see yourself and how you're perceived by, by others and the disconnect in, in, in all of that and definitely in the follow through. Like it's so important for your team and 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 for the engagement, definitely like uh, of others. Because you almost already mentioned it. It's like the consequences will be like what we're seeing now is the great resignation. So what I um, 
what I gather from it and from the, the, the things that I've heard and read is that uh, we're changing from uh, an employer's market where employers could be, like you said, your narcissist getting away with not following up like or not being vulnerable enough and, and so on to actually like more like the, the candidate's market where an employee has actually a lot to, to say. Is that what you see also in, back in the U.S.? Absolutely. I think it's a very similar trend. Um, it, I think it's definitely an employee's market right now. I think there's a, there's, um, a lot of benefit to that for, for folks who are looking for new jobs. And it's a huge challenge for organizations because they're trying to attract and retain uh, talent. And they know that empl potential employees or even their current employees have a lot of options right now. Yes. Um, so, so this is even more so why it is so imperative that people start paying attention to these leadership skills, because otherwise it, the, these trends are going to still continue to replicate and maybe even exponentially grow. Exactly. I so agree. And it's like, just like the, signing your own, like, end uh, or dead fun is like, if you, if you, at the end, it's like, okay, if you don't adapt, if you don't change as a leader, if you don't embed these new behaviors, if you don't change, then like, it's very short term, you might survive for a short term, but long term, you're not going to be in the position that, that, that you're in, because basically like, uh, that's, it's not sustainable. Definitely. Um, so like before we close off, like tell us like where can people connect with you? Like how can they work with you? Tell us a little bit about that, Rachel. Yeah, absolutely. Well, people can find me uh, through three main ways. One is LinkedIn. Just find me on Rachel Lipton Coaching. You'll, you should be able to find me that way. Uh, you can find me on Rachel Lipton Coaching on Instagram. And my website is also www.rachelliptoncoaching.com. Um, it's where I, I share a little bit more about myself, what I offer. Um, I do one-on-one -on -one coaching uh, for individuals for and one-on-one -on -one coaching for organizations and also team coaching. Um, and those are those can be tools to, to use through a variety of different challenges that organizations are facing these days, many of which we talked about here in terms of retention of yeah. talent and onboarding and DEI work um, and really just making sure that uh, the relationships are coming first in organizations. So I'm really excited to be offering those those services and would be really glad to connect with anybody who's interested or refer folks in my network who might be able to serve your, you or your organization best. Perfect. So what I will do also is uh, put all the links in the show notes so that people actually can uh, can click on it very like with my name for example it's like they make spelling mistakes and this and that it's like i can't find you caroline where are you yeah. it's like okay yes but yeah you have a, an easier name than my last name <laughs> so but anyway i will put it all in the show notes so people can reach out to you and you work with people all over the world or just yes. The US? Uh, yes absolutely that i work with people virtually i work with people all over the world so it works works just as well as in person and so proof that we can do it we can still be relationship focused and live in a virtual world so exactly perfect all right thank you so much for sharing your invaluable insights on today's show i'm sure that everybody really really took a lot away from uh, the conversation that we have and the info that you shared so uh if anybody out there has extra questions for rachel like please reach out to her uh, she's more than happy to answer any questions you might have Thank you so much, Rachel. And uh, next time we have to talk more about team because actually I wrote it down, team, and then I totally, because yeah, 
we're just like I can talk hours with you. We can we can spend forever talking about this, Caroline. I love it. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. I really, really appreciate it and uh, would love to connect with you in the future. This is such a fun conversation. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hope you enjoyed this episode of the Career Disruptors podcast. If you did, please head over to iTunes and leave a review. And if you want to take the next step in your career and you want to discover how I can help you, head over to my website, newhorizoncoaching.com.au and discover how we can work together or download any of my free resources. Thanks again and I'll connect with you on the next episode.